Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to Light Up the World, a podcast that aims to bring God's light to a darkened world. My name is Victor Caballero, and I'm 33 years young, husband to an amazing wife and father to a beautiful daughter. And most importantly, Jesus is my everything. I invite you to come on this journey with me as I bring guests from all over social media to hear their stories and have biblical discussions. I hope and I pray that this lights up your world. So like, comment, share, and subscribe so that you too can share the light with others. Hey everyone and welcome to Light Up the World. I am your host, Victor Caballero, and this week I have with me Irais Vela. Irais, I know this is an exciting season that you're in, and I want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm honored, honestly. <laughs> of course. Um, so now, Irais, you have an amazing testimony for us today, and I can't wait for you to share that with us. Um, but before we dive right into that, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm from Texas. Um, I was born in El Paso, Texas. I'm 26 years old, and um, I'm a mom of two right now, expecting the second one. And I'm also married. Um, my husband and I um, started doing full-time ministry um, about two years ago already. Time flies, man. But um, yeah. so he does like discipleship and all that. And I kind of just um, have been leading like the women's group um, that we have. But um, yeah, this is where God has us right now. That's great. So do you love what you do in, in ministry? And you've been doing it for two years. And how has that um, evolved over when you started to where you are now? Oh, my goodness. Like, God has done so many amazing things in our life, man. Like, it's just like one after the other. Like, there's no reason for us to doubt now. Like, every time that the lies try to creep in into my head, you know, that, um, you know, to worry or to uh, fear or anything like that. Like, I, it's it's become so easy for us to say, to reject the lies because of how much God has worked through us in our life. And every it's like evident, you know, but two years ago... Um, my husband got laid off. So it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, he had been pursuing ministry for years before that. We've been married almost six years now. And wow. um, so Praise he had, since, since we got married, like he had, he knew what his calling was, you know? So um, we tried, you know, at, at the beginning, like I was working and he was trying to do the ministry and taking care of our son, but it just didn't work out that way. Um, so he had to go to work and all this stuff. So fast forward to 2020, that's whenever he said, I'm going to go ahead and take up this calling, right? Now we have no excuse because, no, you know, he couldn't get hired and all this stuff. So we just said, all right, you know, the hardest thing about that, taking that step was not knowing how we were going to make ends meet, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was literally like starting from zero, just going to have to rely on donations and help from the the body of Christ, you know, mm. um, we didn't have anything set up, like nothing, you know, we just said, okay, God will do it, you know? And, um, sure enough, two years have gone by and not once have we struggled to make the rent, you know, to wow. provide for our family. Um, I mean, oh my goodness, if I could give you like every single, um, work that God has done in our life, like 
it's just amazing it's mind-blowing like we struggled with the vehicle because ours broke down and so we had to like rent a vehicle for a few months and it was so expensive but god yeah. still provided and then next thing you know uh, a sister in christ gives us a car like free like she says i have a car and god told me that it's for you if you can come to el paso wow. and pick it up uh, you know it's yours and sure enough we show up and she gives us the car and the title right then and there like free no strings attached nothing and it was so hard for us to believe because we didn't you know i mean we don't see that stuff unfortunately nowadays right, right? and she was like I, I just can't believe that i mean you you guys have probably struggled so much in your life dealing with people that this is so hard for you guys to believe because we kept t telling her like um are you sure like how much do we have to pay you for this vehicle you know um and she she was just mind blown that we couldn't just accept the fact that god had given it to us you know yeah right. it was just so hard to believe but sure enough we have a vehicle free like god gave us that vehicle <laughs> and it's so funny because it's even like tailored to us like it has stickers in the back that say i love jesus john three sixteen, and um it came <laughs> with a cd of of like country christian music and it was just wow. amazing man but that's just one example of like where god has us and it's it's been just uh, this um season of trusting him like fully just trusting him for every single thing um because literally that's how our life is we have to trust him for everything every single day we Amen. don't know what's going to happen you know um but opportunities like this like your invitation to this podcast uh, my husband gets invitations to podcasts and to speak at events and all this stuff um we're just willing like we don't even think twice about it we say yes let's go because right. we know the times that we're living in and we know that it's time you know for us to stand up and a share of God's goodness. And I mean, the world needs it right now. So it's just been amazing these past two years, honestly. We've met amazing wow. people, and I know that we're gonna continue to meet more like you, <laughs> yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind. Um, so, wow, you have seen the hand of God move over and over. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the car is astounding because like you said, you don't really see that, that stuff happening. And just, I mean, God, pretty much said i'm gonna give you guys a car i'm gonna customize it to your liking <laughs> i know <laughs> and it's go. like the perfect size and everything for our family it's a little suv too like perfect for a family that's gonna grow you know <laughs> that's 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 crazy i mean when god wants to do something he'll do it there's no mm -hmm. stopping that Amen. so that that's great to see to hear and really see that god hand that moving of the hand of god over your guys's life um, so let's kind of rewind back time now because now I want now I'm really excited to hear about your testimony because obviously uh, God really brought you out of a life that looking back now you just don't see yourself living in anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, like a complete so, renewal. <laughs> yeah. So let let's go to the beginning. Um, how would you start your testimony? Well, I don't know. Honestly, I, I was praying so hard about this because there's so much, but I don't want it to be, you know, unnecessary for um, what God wants people to hear from my testimony. But I think that the, the main thing is, I guess, the theme of my testimony, I would say, would be like dealing with rejection and how that mm -hmm. leads to you not... Um, 
um, not accepting, but you not understanding um, what love is, you know, because I think that was one of my biggest struggles throughout my life is um, not really accepting and understanding love, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because of yeah. everything that I had gone through. But so my dad is actually from Mexico. My mom is from the United States, um, but she's also like Hispanic. So we grew up going back and forth to Mexico, being from El Paso, the border's like right there. So it's um, more so in Juarez where we used to um, live at and, you know, cross okay. back and forth. So um, I am the second oldest um, out of five that, you know, children that my mom had. Um, now to mean this in a bad way, like I love my mom and everything. I just want to kind of describe how everything was. Um, she, all, all five of us have different dads. Um, I just picture it as her being like young and wanting to find that love, but not finding it. So then she moves on to the next and then, you know, it's her own little story with each one of um, our dads. But um, so technically all my siblings have a different dad. You know, I'm not, you know, related like that to all of them. But Mm. um, my dad was never around. Um, I never... And to me, this was normal. Like, it wasn't until I came back to, like, go to school in the United States and everything that I really understood that it's not that, like, it wasn't normal to only have one parent, you know? I would see children that that um, their parents went through a divorce, and it would really, really traumatize them. And in my head, I thought, like, I thought that this was normal, you know? Like, yeah. how can it hurt so much that your dad is not, is not there? But it's because I didn't. You know, I didn't grow up with that. So yeah, to me, it was normal that my, my, my dad wasn't around. Um, so I guess that's like the first rejection that I experienced um, with my dad not wanting to be in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I never held it against him just because I thought it was normal. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. you know, um, I knew who he was. I knew his family, as a matter of fact, because they lived down the street from where we stayed at in Mexico. But I, um, I never held it against him or anything. So anyways, he was just like, okay, that's, that's the guy that, you know, was with my mom and that's where I was born. But, um, I guess my, my mom had my oldest sister and then she had me, um, four years later. So she only had us two at the time. My mom had me when she was 19. So she was really young and, um, apparently, you know, she was working and she was still trying to do her thing. I mean, she's a teenager. Um, she, I don't know if she was on drugs, honestly. Um, but I do know that she was trying to get with this one guy and, um, he didn't want any kids. So my mom Mm. had two, so she had to come up with a lie to be with him. My oldest sister, she's always been super close to her dad's family. So it wasn't an issue for my mom to leave her with her dad's family. Um, now with me, she didn't have where to leave me. So I think she ended up arranging something with her dad's, my grandpa, uh, which I don't really know, honestly. Um, she ended up arranging something with her dad's family to where, like, they took me, you know. Um, and this was all because of her desire to be with this one guy that didn't want any kids. My sister was with her dad's family. I was over here with this um, family. <laughs> I really don't even know them. But um, so she pretty much gave me away. Um and I was really young. I don't, I mean, I, I have faint memories of this time, but I think mm. I was maybe like four years old, maybe when that happened. Wow. Now, um, my mom's sister, 
found out about all this uh, because they worked at the same factory. And um, she immediately went to try to rescue me. And they fought back and forth because, you know, they were trying to keep me there. This family was trying to keep me there. And my, you know, um, aunt wanted me to, to get out of there. Um, well, she told me that they uh, mistreated me really bad. Um, like I, I had been shaved bald. Um, I couldn't mm. eat with like utensils or even tortillas or anything like that. Like I was pretty much eating like a dog. And then wow. this is where my memories come in. Um, I used to think they were dreams, but then I found out they were actually memories. But um, the house was really like poor, like practically built out of cardboard. Um, no flooring, like it was dirt. Um, the restroom was like outside, um, just in like a wooden shed. Um, I just wow. remember certain things like that, you know. There was definitely like abuse and trauma and stuff like that. But um, again, I was so young that I could hardly remember. Yeah. But long story short with that... Um, my aunt was able to get me back and then I stayed with my aunt for a while while they like, while my mom kind of got her stuff back together, you know, um, my yeah. mom said that she always wanted me back, but because they noticed that she wasn't really there, like she was dealing with a lot. They just kept me there until pretty much until they trusted my mom again. Mm. And, um, I guess that's like the next rejection that I dealt with, you know, like for my mom, um, now, my mom, like, she would have kept this secret uh, till, you know, till she died. <laughs> um, it, w it wasn't her that I found out from. Um, it was actually my aunt and my grandma that told me about this stuff when I was 11 years wow. old. Um, and, you know, what's crazy is that I never held it against my mom. Like, till this day, like, I don't. I see past that, obviously, now because I'm a Christian. But even yeah. before I became a Christian, I never held it against my mom because... I just had, you know, I had the simple understanding that she didn't know any better, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I just saw her as the 19-year-old teenager that doesn't know how to even take care of herself, you know? Um, so, never held it against her. But um, then after that, uh, we just kept going. After I moved back with my mom, um, we kept going back and forth from Mexico to El Paso, my brother is the only one of us that was born in Mexico. So he had to stay over there. And um, okay. that's kind of why we kept going back and forth to go visit him and stuff. And it wasn't until I was in fourth grade, I think, that um, third or fourth, but um, that we decided to finally move to Mexico. And we stayed mm. over there for like two, three years um, just so that we could all be together as a family now with my brother. Um, my mom had met a guy. Um, he's like the only father figure that I've ever had in my life. Um, so I call him my, my, uh, ex stepdad. That's how I'll refer to him. Um, and, um, and he was great, man. He was, I'm telling you, like, he was like the, the only father figure that I ever had. And, um, he was staying with my brother in Mexico. So technically when we decided to move over there, we were with him, you know, my mom stayed with him for almost eight years, I think. Um, so you can imagine, like, he really had an impact on us. Yeah. Um, but according to my mom, their relationship wasn't good. I don't remember seeing any abuse or anything like that from him towards her. But she says, you know, that there was. Um, so I, I really don't know. Mm. Well, when, when we moved over there and I stayed over there, I went to school in Mexico and everything. 
I started getting into a lot of like things that I shouldn't have, you know, um, I started making friends that weren't, um, you know, really walking right. (laughs) Um, even though we were so young, um, I started smoking weed when I was like 11. Um, that's like how bad things were. Um, but it's cause in Mexico, there's like no grid for those things really. Like I remember being in fifth grade and some of my classmates would literally drop out of school to go work, to help their families because there's just like, there's no grid like that. Like there is here for like, you're a child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why a lot of people in Mexico don't graduate, um, primary school, primary is up to sixth grade. And a lot of them Mm. don't because they just go work and stuff. Um, it's just, things are different, but I, um, when I was there and when I was around that age, 11, I believe, um, my, I, I I was never raised in a religious home. Um, my mom is a Catholic. Um, I don't know if I should say was because she, she thinks she says she's not, but I know she still kind of believes in that stuff. Um, she would make an effort kind of to take us to church especially because of my birthday. So my birthday is December 12th and mm. um, they celebrate the Virgin of Guadalupe that day. Um, okay. So every year for my birthday, my mom would like force me to go to church, Catholic church with her. Um, she's like, just go to give thanks. And, you know, I never really liked her or anything. So I would just sit there bored. Um, but then when we actually moved to Mexico, my ex-stepdad's family had a dance group um so this is very like traditional in mexico um the groups are called matachines and what they are is like a mixture of of uh dancing and um like um like the uh tribal indian type of culture you know Um, like the people that wear the big feathers in in their head gotcha yeah And they have like bow and arrow and drums and stuff like that. Um, That's like super common in Mexico. And they had a group like this. And so I joined it. Um, So we would go and dance um, like pretty much almost every day. Excuse me. What they would do is, um, so if you um, needed something done in your house spiritually, they would call our dance group to come and you know, kind of mm. like bless the house in a sense, you know, um, there were times where they, people would, um, quote unquote, see apparitions in things, you know, they mm. saw it on the wall and it formed like the shape of the Virgin or something like that. So they would put it in a little altar and then we would go and dance at that house and stuff like that. That's kind of like the, the way that that works over there. Um, so we would go get invited to a lot of places, um, to that, they don't charge. I think it's like free. You just have to um, provide food for the for the dancers. Okay. So we would do that a lot. And for my birthday, especially that whole week of my birthday, every year um, we'd um, dance like hours and hours straight, uh, day in and day out, because of that. It's really, really um, religious and, and ritualistic. You know, like. Um, they have um if you misbehave they have like punishments for you to do um like for example we'd have to kneel um be you know kneel uh, kneeling down and walking on your knees on like pavement 
um, or oh. on a rocky road all the way to the altar um, because we said a bad word or because we weren't acting right or we were joking or stuff like that. They're really strict on the, on this stuff. Um, so anyways, my ex-stepdad's um, dad and, and his mom were the owners of this dance. Um, I don't know exactly when it happened. Like, I don't, I can't remember the day that it happened, but, um, this man, my ex-stepdad's dad, so he would have been my grandpa. Um, mm. he just started acting different towards me. Um, he mm. would like try to do stuff to me and, and, and all that, you know? And I never yeah. understood why, like out of all that, cause the dance was only women and I wasn't the only uh, girl of my age in that dance, you know, in that group. Um, but for some reason he singled me out and, um, mm. and at, by this time we didn't live in their house anymore. But when we would come over, I would have, in order for me to go visit with my cousins, um, their room was at the very end of the house. So I had to pass by his room to get to my cousin's room. And that was like the most dreadful thing for me because I already knew how he was going to act. He would try to grab me. He would try to do things to me. And I don't know, like there's this, I'm sure that people that have gone through this can relate, but there you just, uh, it's common sense for you to react, you know, to say something like, oh yeah, this is yeah. happening. Like, especially yeah. when you know that people are right there in the next room and there's no door. It's literally just a curtain. I could have easily like said something. But for some reason, you just freeze up and you don't, you don't say anything, you know? And I think mm -hmm. a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was so respected and loved. Like he was the provider of that home. Everybody loved and adored him, you know? Um, it, it was like he was living this, um, these two lives, you know? But so um, you didn't really want to ruin his reputation then? Or I guess, was... I guess I thought that nobody would believe me. You know, oh, that, because yeah. he's like up here and I'm like, mm, not yeah, really. like who, you know, exactly who would believe you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I do remember there was this one time, though, and that's the closest I ever got to saying something. Um, but out of fear, I didn't. So I passed by his room and he got me and he kissed me and mm. um, I pushed him and I said no. And I actually said it out loud. No. And my cousin, he she heard me. So when I went to her, he let me go immediately after I said that. And yeah. um, when I went to my cousin's room, she asked, she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, no, what do you mean? And she says, I thought I heard you say no. And I could have said everything right then and there because she actually right. heard me, you know, but I yeah. didn't. I was like, oh, no, it's nothing. And I just went on with my day. So slowly but surely, this stuff was, I mean, um, it, it was weighing heavy on my heart, you know, like yeah. I didn't want to be a part of the dance anymore. I didn't even want to go out. Um, and what my mom and my ex-stepdad saw was me being rebellious, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> because they didn't know. So um, long story short, I started getting grounded a lot. Um, they were they would be like, well, if you don't want to go to the dance, then you can't go out with your friends and all these things, you know. So um, I would stay a lot of uh, I was I spend a lot of time at home uh, just by myself and I didn't mind, honestly, because I, I would mm. rather be there alone than just than have to deal with um, that man. But yeah. um, we I, I mean, I was going to school there. Um, we would still go back, go back to El Paso to visit um, like weekends or something like that. And um, 
in those weekends that I would go, I would stay with my, my other aunt and she was like smoking weed and, you know, they were pretty much doing whatever they wanted there. And that's whenever I started getting involved with all that stuff. So whenever I would go back to Mexico, um, I found friends that were involved with that and I would, you know, join them in that, um, you know, started weed was the very first thing that I tried. And, um, it just pretty much changed me, man. Like I, I felt like I had to mature really, really fast after that happened, you know, um, dealing with yeah. the abuse and, and just like getting straight into drugs. And it was like, like all the little kids stuff was, was gone, you know, like it was, it was the old, um, yeah. thing that so I, you, I just couldn't get back to no more. You didn't really and, have a childhood then. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like, um, me being the second to oldest, I guess I should have mentioned this. My oldest sister, she's always lived with her dad's family. Um, mm. Because we moved a lot, she ended up just saying, you know what, I'm going to stay in Mexico with my with my grandma um, because I can't do this. Like, she, she just didn't want to keep moving uh, with my mom. So when she was a freshman, so she was, what, 14, 15 maybe, um, she moved out of the house. Um so ever since then, like I had to take up that role of being the big sister and my mom being alone, um, you know, she couldn't do much for us. Like she had to work. So she was pretty much gone all the time. So I had to take care of my siblings too. So mm. that added on to everything else. Yeah. I pretty much didn't really have a childhood like that, you know? Yeah. And, um, but I didn't mind it, honestly, like. Um, I mean, I loved being with my siblings. Um, again, this is not like not once throughout that time of my life did I ever hold resentment towards anybody. Um, I think mm. the only one was obviously um, my ex stepdad's dad, you know. Um, yeah. But other than that, like I wasn't mad at my mom. I wasn't mad at my sister for leaving. I, I just was just dealing with it, you know. Um, mm. And. I don't know. Um, well, I took care of my siblings a lot. So, so right, right um, from the beginning, you had you have such an amazing heart that God gave you even <laughs> even before you were saved. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to do that, especially for someone that it's not saved. Mm -hmm. To have that heart not to um, take it out on on your mom or your siblings for the stuff that they did as a as an unbeliever going through all the stuff that you're mm -hmm. telling me that you went through yeah i mean that's just man and now you're a believer <laughs> so so it's so, like more you know enhanced yeah it's I guess. like <laughs> the same heart multiplied by like mm -hmm. a thousand yeah yeah no wow. i mean there was a lot of renewal obviously in my heart um because there was like hidden things that i didn't even know that were there but um yeah, like, I praise God for this. Uh, I mean, every time that I share my testimony, like, I always say that, like, I'm just so grateful that it didn't harden my heart, you know, even mm -hmm. though there was, I, I, there was stuff that I, I mean, I'll, I'll share it here in a little bit, but um, it, it, it still never, it never led me to hate people, you know, um, I never got to that point of, of being hateful. Um, and that's kind of why, like, I, I understand lost people like when they are going through something i know that they that god can still um show them like in, in other words it, it your trauma um or whatever you're struggling with doesn't have to 
lead you down, down that path. Like, it's not an excuse, you know? And I say this very, very considerately. Like, it's not, you know, because I've known people, myself included, that have gone through horrible things, but they're still nice to people. You know, they're still, um, like, it's not an excuse, you know? Yeah, it's um, not so... an excuse to be angry or take mm -hmm. it out on people yeah and... and you can still have a good life like obviously i i want them to know jesus and that's the only good life that we can truly have but mm -hmm. um it doesn't mean that you have to live in in this um whole you know your whole life uh because i know a lot of people that do live with resentment and i see what it does to them and it's horrible you know um so i do praise god for that for the fact that even though I went through all those things, I, he still like kept me in this place where I was kind of guarded from that, you know, um, yeah. and it's amazing, man. Um, but so um, apparently the relationship between my stepdad and my mom had gotten so bad that um, my mom decided to leave him. Um, mm. And it was done in a very, I mean, to me, I think it was done in a, in a bad way because again, like, this was my dad pretty much, you know, um, and we yeah. just left him like that. Um, but my brother was not, um, able to cross, you know, um, the border. He was born in Mexico. Um, so we had to, we did it illegally. Um, and I think we used like my cousin's birth certificate or something like that. But, um, my mom wanted to get out of there so bad that that's what she did. And, mm -hmm. um, so my, my son, my, I'm sorry, my brother went first, he crossed the border first. And then the next week we, we all moved. Um, but it was done like deceitfully towards my stepdad. Um, he, he didn't know that we were leaving. Like pretty much he went to work, came back and we were gone, you know? Oh wow! And, um, so I can imagine how bad that hurt him, you know, but, um, we ended up moving back to El Paso and I thought finally, you know, I don't have to deal with that man that was abusing me. Um, I can just leave all that behind. I can start over. And mind you, I was barely like 13 years old at this time. <laughs> and I was already wow. thinking about, oh, I'm starting over and, you know. Yeah. Um, so obviously that did not happen. I, because, you know, all that comes with you, you know, you can't, yeah. even though the abuse stopped, like the trauma is still there, you know. And um, I thought I was fine. I thought, you know, I don't have trauma or anything like that. I can just move on with my life. But coming back to El Paso, I rekindled with a lot of my old friends. And next thing you know, I'm there doing drugs. Um, mm. And then um, I didn't have good influences in my life at all. Um, I love this quote that I read one time that said, um, the, um, I didn't grow up with people... Uh, like influences and examples of, of what I wanted to be. I grew up with um, examples of what not to be. And that's mm. what got me to where I am, you know? Um, wow. And it's kind of like that for me. Like I just, I saw the toxicity and how like their decisions led them to that place. Like my mom and my aunts and even my friends. So um, I would take that into consideration and I'd be like, okay, that's something that I will not do because I don't want to end up in that situation, you know, in my life. But, um, <laughs> like the Bible says, you know, like, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. Yes. Even though like I thought I had good morals, I still ended up in that, in that, um, 
path in my life, right. you know. Um, I thought I didn't have trauma, but I think that deep down I did. And, and me going to drugs was trying to mask, mask all that, you know. So now I was getting in a point in my life where, you know, feelings come, where you start, you know, all these hormones and emotions and, you know, you're getting to that stage of, of like puberty and all these things, you know. So I noticed how my, my group of friends, it was, it was on like, it was moving on to this next level in life to where everybody was drinking, everybody was having sex, um, you know, like the things that interested us back then, they're not, they're not cool anymore. You now we're on mm. this, you know, and that kind of messed with me because I was really distant from people. And, um, like I was the type to not let anybody hug me. Um, oh, wow. not because I, I was mean, but because I liked my boundaries, you know? Yeah. So I didn't have boyfriends or anything. I had a lot of guy friends, but I, there was boundaries. Like I wouldn't let them hug me or anything like that and I was kind of like a tomboy where nobody would ever see me with dresses um I don't know just you can picture that you know yeah um the type of person that I was and now out of, out of nowhere everybody's like touchy touchy you know yeah <laughs> um you know you want to be doing all kinds of crazy things together and all this stuff and it was so new to me so I hadn't been taught how to deal with sexuality in a healthy way. Like, my mom never talked to me about that stuff, ever. Um, yeah. My mom and I have, have never had a relationship where we talk about things. Um, she was really distant, too. And now I understand that it's because her mom was like that with her. So she even has trauma of her own, you know? Wow. And um, so she was never, like... Um, like sweet to us or even just emotionally connected to us as her children um i remember when we were little like we would try to go and hug her and she'd be like no no quitate, quitate. like get away from me get away from me and um mm. and it's me and like from the outside in it's like those are your kids you know embrace yeah. them yeah. but i know that she dealt with things you know so yeah so whatever she dealt with didn't allow her to connect like that with us and um, so we never got that with her my stepdad, though, he's the one that taught me about, like, um, you know, women growing up and getting their first period or and stuff like that, that a mom should be talking to, you know, yeah, um, yeah. to her daughters about. He's the one that did it, you know. Wow. Um, so when we move back now, you know, there's talks about sex and all this stuff and dealing with relationships and, you know, what can a person do to you? What can they not? Like, what are your boundaries? How do you re uh, respect your own body? All that stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. So it's the only person that I... You. Yeah, yeah. So the only person that, that I talked to about this, and it was so vague and and it was wrong, her advice was my aunt. But she was a teenager herself at this point. And, she, like, her advice was just so twisted. Um, because she was so like into, um, being sexually active and that lifestyle. Um, she, um, had a, a, a child really, really young. Um, she already had two kids by this time. And, um, just the stuff that, that she was familiar, familiar with was, wasn't a good example for me. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, but again, I thought that that's what you had to do. So she pretty much just told me like, oh, you know how in movies they say 
when you talk about your first time, they say it has to be special. Make sure that it's with the right person and all this stuff. Even yeah. though it's wrong, at least yeah. they give you that, you know, respect yourself yeah. um, talk. But she was like diminishing it like, oh, just do it. Get it over with, you know, um, it doesn't matter with who. Just get it over with so that we pretty much so you can move on to that next step in, in your mm. life. And since I saw that in my friends group that everybody's kind of moving on already, I was like, okay, well, I guess I just have to get it over with just to move on to the next step. And, you know, and um, sure enough, next thing you know, I'm there, um, you know, trying to just be that type of girl, you know, and um, you'd think that because I was uh, abused that I would have like those red flags, like telling me, no, don't go there, you know. Yeah. Uh, don't let people touch you and, and stuff like that. Um, but it kind of hit me the opposite way. I thought, oh, well, maybe that's why that guy did that to me. Because he thought that I was already in this stage, you know. So mm. I have to just be willing to do that for any man. Just so that I can get to that stage of, like, um, being loved and being in a relationship, you know. So, so everything just... turned that you way. were just being thrown all these lies mm -hmm. from the enemy and you were just believing them thinking that that was what was accepted what was the exactly. right thing to do yeah wow yeah so i thought like the way that i saw relationships was like you have to like this is a part of that and if you're not okay with that nobody's gonna want to be with you then you know so i said mm. okay well i mean i guess this is just what it is you know so i right off the bat i didn't have any value or respect for my body um i didn't know what that was i didn't know that you know you you, you don't just sleep with anybody you don't just um you know let anybody um get to see a, a part of you like that you know um i thought it was normal everybody was doing it and oh well you know, I didn't even care about like my reputation because I knew everybody was doing it. So it, it, all that. It's, cr it's oh, crazy sorry, because no, it's okay. It's crazy because um, you were given a false impression of love. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of grew up in that environment where, um, I mean, at this point, you really didn't really see, you didn't really know what true love was. And so, I mean, the love of God is just so out there. And I mean, mm -hmm. love of God was over you, just protecting you through it all. And you didn't really see it yet. But it's just, it's so crazy to see just how easy it is for the enemy to blind um, young people now with just mm -hmm. like all these lies. And, and maybe they're like you. They just grew up in a life where this is all they know. Exactly. And this is all they experience. And so there is no true love for them other than this. Yeah. And so, yeah, continue on, please. That, that's exactly how I felt. Um, and, and we were really isolated, too. So I wasn't aware of anything outside of this, of, of just the life that I was living day to day. Like, really, I, I mean, the most that I would think outside of that was whenever I had my moments where I would go and because I was really, really into astronomy um, from a very young age. I loved looking at the stars and um, there was this rock um, across the street that I don't know how it got there, but it was long enough to where you can lie on it. And I would spend hours there just looking at the sky. And um, I just loved ast astronomy, right? So um, that was like the most that I ever researched or looked outside of what i lived through you know yeah. um 
and and then aside from school what they teach you at school but um i didn't know anything that was happening in the world i didn't like keep up with any celebrities or any news or anything man like this is all i knew that's all i knew is what i was doing every day for my life and that's it you know like the group of friends that i was with what my mom was dealing with like what my family dealt with that's that's all i knew and um obviously whenever we moved back to el paso we were struggling really bad um our house was it was my grandma's uh, home and uh, my mom i think she was like renting it but that house um it wasn't um built very well you know uh, we lived in the ghetto of of the town that we lived in um to me this was normal because coming from mexico like not everybody has pretty houses over there you know we moved a lot in mexico and most of our houses were in really rough condition like there was houses that didn't have a floor um most of the houses that we lived in didn't have running water so we had to like bring buckets in um that was normal life to us um i remember the house that we stayed on the, uh, the most um it didn't have a shower um like the shower was built but it didn't have a shower head so what yeah. we would do is in the summer because they didn't have running water so what we would do in the summer is bring a hose from outside and there was a little like a little hole in the wall and the shower and that would be like our shower head for the summer but for the winter we had to boil water and um you know bathe with buckets um yeah. but that was normal normal life for us so coming from that to el paso we had running water you know we had gas and we had a stove we had a fridge things that we didn't have in mexico um this must so have been thought, like completely shocked <laughs> yeah to you right <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I thought we were like blessed you know i mean yeah. we were but um but then i when i went to school i saw that like you know people have really really nice houses out here <laughs> um yeah. and um and there's the clear distinction of of uh like the classes, you know, even though I lived, lived in a really small town, like the, the richest people there, I mean, they, they were rich, but they still like, you know, shopped at the mall, you know, um, they were but, humble, rich people. I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there was bullying though. Like there was that distinction made. Um, yeah. the first time I noticed that is whenever I had a birthday uh, party. Um, I was so excited. I wanted to invite my little friends and everything. Um, I think this was before we had moved to to um, Mexico, like for those two two years that we went over there. But um, I invited all my my classmates, and um, that's when I realized that they they were talking about my house, you know, because my house wasn't all nice, and the floor in the kitchen was like dirt, um, and it was just not not a nice house. There was an AC, or there was a central heating or cooling. Um, we had like a window unit, like those really old school, big old ones. Um, and, and the place that we lived in was the ghetto. And that's when I realized, okay, yeah, I can't just invite anybody to my house because people are mean, you know? Yeah. But, um, uh, I did have friends that lived in the same neighborhood that I did. So it was cool. My friends weren't, uh, you know, they didn't notice those things. Uh, so I was comfortable with that. But when it came to the people that I knew in school, I would never invite them to my house. So it was kind of like I was living a double life too. In school, <laughs> my personality never changed. But in school, like, I wouldn't talk about my personal stuff. Yeah. Um, I never dated anybody in school. Um, just for one guy, there was he was the exception. 
Um, but even then, it took forever for me to even introduce them to my family and everything. Um, I would just go to school, get my work done, and then my life outside of school was a whole other story. My life outside of school was partying, you know, doing all kinds of bad things, um, gang-related stuff. I ended up joining a gang. Um, wow. Um, you know, all that life. Uh, but I just kept the two uh, uh, separated from each other until it got to a point where I couldn't separate them anymore. But um, so our house was, you know, we lived really humbly. Um, I remember even once that we came back from Mexico, like I invited one of my friends over from school and they told me that their parents told them, you can't go back to this girl's house because she lives because of the neighborhood she lives in. It's dangerous. So that's when it really clicked to me that, okay, I have to separate the two because, you know, it's just, it feels bad for people to judge you like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, long story short, I went down the path of drugs. Um, weed was just not enough. I moved on to um, ecstasy, um, drinking wow. a lot. And this was Thank all God. before the age of 16. I was already on ecstasy before 16. And, um, um, by the age of 17, I was like addicted to cocaine. Um, and this is how it merged to my school. Um, I, it got to the point where I wasn't, I would, I wouldn't just party Saturday and Sunday, you know, I, I would go, okay, Friday party, Thursday party. Next thing you know, I'm partying all week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm partying. Um, and it got to the point where. I wouldn't make it back home to sleep. So I would go straight from the party to school and I was all high on cocaine. You know, I was all wired and, and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. You're listening to Light Up the World with Victor Caballero. This concludes part one of this three-part special. Head on over to part two to continue listening to this episode. Thank you.